right. I want to start by asking a question for you to think about today. What do you love about your freedom? What are the things that you love to do with your freedom? This week, I used my freedom to purchase five plane tickets to Florida for a family vacation in March. Wow, thank you. I'm excited about it. You know, I got a phenomenal deal and, uh, on these tickets from Spirit Airlines. Now, some I know, I saw some reactions in the audience are like, ooh, <laughs> Spirit Airlines. Now, you know, for some people, they don't like Spirit Airlines because, you know, they kind of nickel and dime you on a lot of things. You have to pay for your seat. You have to pay, uh, if you want to pick your seat, you have to pay if you want to bring a bag. You have to pay... You know, if you want to check in early, I mean, they, there's no end to the different things that you can pay for. But, you know, I don't mind that. I actually like paying for what I want and not having to pay for the things that I don't want. You know, sometimes you pay this big, you know, cost and then you get all these things, but you don't really use them, right? And one time I had a great experience on Spirit. I got stranded in Phoenix because my other airline, which I won't mention, canceled my flight. But Spirit Airlines was there to the rescue. I was able to get a really cheap one-way ticket home, get home to my family. I was on a business trip. Uh, so I have some good experience with, with Spirit. Now, I tell you this because it kind of illustrates this idea that I had freedom. I had the freedom to choose what airline I wanted to fly. I had the freedom to choose that A, I go on vacation, B, where I go on vacation, and C, when I go on vacation. So, we have freedoms in this country, and we're kind of proud of those freedoms. And so, as you think about yourself, what do you love about your freedom? What is it that you love to do or that you get to do because of your freedom? Or maybe, quite frankly, as you hear me talking about freedom, you well, Brian, I, I don't really feel free. I sort of feel trapped. Maybe you've got a job that doesn't allow you to do anything. You've got to be there. You're critical. You can't take any vacation, whatever it is. Uh, you feel like you're trapped. Or maybe financially speaking, you just don't have the means to do all the things that you wish that you could, so you feel trapped. Or one of our uh, congregation members this week was literally trapped in the hospital this week, stuck there, Right? We can feel trapped. Either way, whether you love and enjoy your freedom or you feel trapped here in the United States and in much of the Western world, we tend to think about freedom as the ability to do whatever you like. That's how we define freedom here in the United States, the ability to do whatever you like. What we're going to see today is that Christian freedom is something very different. This is part of our Bless series. We're talking about how we can bless people, how we can love others. And we talked about how in the first week we are created. We were created to love God and love other people. And Sandy brought us into the Old Testament and showed us how God chose one person, Abraham, to demonstrate that love. And through Abraham, all nations would be blessed. Put another way, as we read it in Scripture, Abraham was blessed to be a blessing. 
And Sandy connected that to how we today are blessed so that we can too bless others. Last week, Pastor Aaron helped us to start to think about, well, how do we live that out? How do we actually bless other people? How do we love other people? And he talked about creating a frank list. Friends, relatives, acquaintances, neighbors, coworkers, or classmates. We make a list of people that we want to be intentional about, that we want to intentionally love and bless. And we begin to pray over those people. And Pastor Aaron invited us to write those down on a bookmark and keep that with us so that we can regularly pray for them. And he invited us to even grab your phone and put a reminder in there at 141 to connect us with the passage that he talked about, John chapter 1, verse 41, to remind us how Andrew brought people to Jesus. And when we pray for them, we can help bring them to Jesus and experience God's love. But today we're going to see that Christian freedom is something very different than what we normally think about as people in the Western world and specifically here in the United States. So we're going to be in 1 Corinthians chapter 9. If you want to open up your Bible or your Bible device, or if you want to just follow along on the screen, uh, that will be fine as well. Now, Corinthians is a book that talks a lot about freedom, a lot about rights, freedom and rights. And the Corinthians were very proud of their freedom. They were very proud of the rights that they had. As a Roman city, they had the freedoms and rights that a lot of other cities did not have. And the Christians in that city were learning that they were no longer under the Jewish law, which they interpreted meant that they were now free to do whatever they like. Sounds a little familiar. And Paul's saying, well, hold on a moment here. Let's talk about that freedom a little bit. Uh, and in chapter 9, verse 19, he says, Though I am free and belong to no one, I have made myself a slave to everyone, to win as many as possible. To the Jews, I became like a Jew to win the Jews. To those under the law, I became like one under the law, though I myself am not under the law, so as to win those under the law. To those not having the law, I became like one not having the law, though I am not free from God's law, but I'm under Christ's law, so as to win those not having the law. To the weak, I became weak to, the, to win the weak. I have become all things to all people so that by all possible means, I might save some. So let's break this passage down a little bit. In chapter 8, Paul has been talking about food sacrificed to idols. Now, there were some people who thought, you know what? Food is food. It doesn't matter whether it's been sacrificed to idols or not. It's food. Let's eat it. Other people were disturbed by that and felt like if it had been sacrificed to idols, it was tainted. You can't eat it. And Paul says that there's a problem here. And those of you who think food is food might be right. But I want you to know that even though that you have that right, you need to be careful that in using that right, you do not cause your brother or sister who doesn't believe that same thing to stumble. So you need to be careful about your rights. In chapter 9, he starts to talk about his own rights as an apostle. He says, 
I have rights as an apostle. Don't I have the right to food and drink? Don't I have the right to take a believing wife? But here's the thing. I am choosing not to use those rights. And the reason he's choosing this, he tells us, is because he wants the gospel to be free from any barriers that might keep people from knowing that God loves them. So he chooses not to use his rights. So even though Paul is free, as we read here in verse 19, he chooses to put himself under other people, under other people's authority. As he says, I make myself a slave to everyone. And the reason, he says, is to win as many as possible. The language of winning is sort of the suggestion of getting a return on your investment. So Paul has been preaching the gospel. He's been telling others about God's love. And he wants a return on his investment. And because of that, he's willing to become almost anything in order that he might save some people. So to the Jews, he becomes like a Jew, which is sort of interesting because Paul is a Jew. So what's he saying there? Well, uh, N.T. Wright, a scholar, suggests that likely what this means is that he continued to go to the synagogue to continue participating in the prayers and the liturgy of the people. And because of that, Paul would get beaten because he wasn't following all of the things and he was starting this new thing called Christianity and the leaders didn't like that. So he would go and because he would go, they, f- they felt like he is under our discipline. We need to discipline him and they would beat him. But Paul was willing to do that because he cared about the gospel of Jesus, the good news of Jesus. He says to those under the law, he became like those under the law. This looks a lot like in chapter 8 where he says, you know what, if it means that people will connect with Jesus, I am willing to stop eating meat. I don't need to exercise my right to eat meat because I want these people to experience God's love. On the flip side, he says to those not having the law, he became like them as well. Although he does have some caveats, he's not a lawless person, let's be clear. He's still under Christ's law. And that likely means he's giving up his Jewish customs, the things that were comfortable to him in order to reach those and connect with those who didn't know that God loved them. He talks one more time about those who are weak. Like, this is likely referring to those people in chapter 8. And it leads to this final statement that he says, I have become all things to all people so that by all possible means I might save some. And the question is, why was Paul willing to give up all of these things? Why was Paul willing to be beaten? Why was he willing to give up his rights, to give up his own customs? I want to suggest two reasons for us today. One is that Paul had a profound experience on the road to Damascus. If you're not familiar with this story, you can go back and read it in the book of Acts chapter 9. Paul literally was blinded 
and somebody had to pray over him before he was able to see again. He had a profound experience with Christ that made him want to tell other people about God's love. It was so compelling that it was worth it to go through all of these things, the beatings, the, custom, the change of customs, and giving up his rights. It was a profound experience that touched him. And the question that we might ask ourselves today is, have you had a profound experience with Christ that changes everything for you, that makes you willing to do almost anything, maybe short of sinning, to help other people connect with Jesus? Have you had that profound experience? If you haven't, I want to encourage you to ask God for that. And I want to pray for you right now, just to take a moment. God, I pray for those who haven't had that profound experience with you. Would you meet them this week and show yourself to them? Amen. The second thing uh, that I think compels Paul to do this, he actually says at this last verse in our text today. In verse 23, he says, I do all of this for the sake of the gospel, that I may share in its blessings. And this is really interesting because the original language here has this idea of partnership, partnering language. It's sort of like a law firm partner who buys into the, to the partnership. And part of the good news is that as we experience the good news of Jesus, God's love for us, we become partners with God in that good news. We get to share in the blessings of that. So when the good news is blessing us, we experience that, and part of that is what we get to experience and pass that on to others. We labor on God's mission and share in the blessings, the goodness of that, which is really cool. But all of this doesn't touch on Paul's main point in this passage. Paul's main point is about Christian freedom. And I mentioned at the beginning, we tend to think about freedom as Freedom to do whatever you want. Well, here's what Paul thinks about when he thinks about freedom. He thinks Christian freedom is freedom from all of the things that keep you from being fully who God wants you to be. All of the things that keep you from being the person that God wants you to be. So if you're struggling to love God and to love people, Maybe you're just not free. You haven't experienced the freedom that God wants for you. Maybe you need to come to Jesus and you need to ask God to come into your life and show you the things that are keeping you from that freedom and keeping you from being all that God intended you to be. God wants you to be that. Or the second thing that freedom is for it's not just freedom from things, it's freedom for something. And what it's for is it's to join in God's mission, to love God and to love people. So we are free, Christian freedom is about freedom from all the things that keep us from being who God wants us to be, and freedom to or freedom for loving God and loving others. That is Christian freedom. Freedom to love, freedom to love God, freedom to love others. And so maybe if you're struggling, if you're wrestling, if you're not feeling free, maybe 
you need to be invited to join in the mission of God. Jump in and be a blessing. So the question that we have facing us is the same one that we have that was facing the Corinthians. Are we willing to do whatever it takes to join in God's mission of loving people and loving others? That's what we want to do here at Crossview Rosa Parks. It's our mission to connect people to Jesus and to help them hear about God's love. And the way that we do that here at Crossview Rosa Parks is simple. We have five missional practices, five things that we do, habits that we try to form in our lives to love others, to help people connect with Jesus. And we have a fun acronym that goes with it. And it spells out the word bless. It's what we've been talking about. Begin with prayer. Make a list of people in your life that don't know how much God loves them. Begin to pray for them. Pray that God would connect with them. Pray that God would show himself to them. Pray that God would bless them. If you don't have a frank list, we actually have a bulletin kind of insert thing that should be under some of your uh, seats that you can grab. And there's a tear-off section. You can write down, literally write down names. And if you weren't here last week, I want to encourage you to do that this week. Write it down. There's actually two sections in there. So you can write one down for yourself and put it in a book or a Bible or you know, something that you can carry around with you to remind yourself to pray. The second one, we also want to encourage you to turn in because Sandy and I pray for those throughout the week. We have them up in our office and we pray for those names with you. So we want to join you in praying. So there's two sections there. You can do that. The second thing we do is we listen with care. We start praying for people and then we sit down and we listen to people. We listen to their story. We listen to how God is at work in people's lives. We listen to their pain and their struggle. We want to be a church that just doesn't tell people what to believe. We want to hear from people. We want to listen to people. The third thing that we do is we eat with others. Now this is the fun one, but really eating with other people can be such a sacred thing, a holy thing, a fun thing to do. Eating breaks down barriers. It makes it so that we can have conversations and listen to people. There's something that happens when we eat and when we break bread with other people. That's really neat. The fourth thing that we do is we serve other people. Serving shows people that we love them, that we care about them, that we have their best interest in mind. It's also one of the hardest things for us to do in our culture today. As I notice, you know, we are so busy doing things we rarely seem to have time to serve other people. And so when we do serve others, it just stands out to them. If you think about when somebody has served you, how does that stand out to you? When they're willing to give up their time for you, we're so protective of that time. When we serve others, it stands out, it shows them and demonstrates to them that we love them. And then the last thing we do is we share our story with God. And we're going to talk more about that uh, next week. But these are countercultural practices. These are not normal for pe- people uh, to do in our world today. We tend to use our freedom for ourselves. Like when I bought the plane tickets, like, woohoo, I get to go on vacation. Uh, but these practices help us to use our freedom for others. They help us to use our freedom to love other people. And what I want to do this week 
is encourage you, encourage us to make this a spiritual practice as a Crossview Rosa Parks community. So we've got the bless uh, bookmarks that you can tear off and turn on, turn in so we can uh, pray together on those things. We also have around the room, uh, Pastor Libby mentioned, we've got blessed boards uh, kind of around the room. And we want to encourage you to put initials or name, first names or whatever you feel comfortable with putting on there. Names of people that you want to bless so that we together as a community can bless others. And then what I want you to do is I want you to go home this week. Go out into, your wor- into the world. You know, we spend an hour or so together every week here, but most of the time we spend out at our workplaces, at school, doing things in the community. We run into all sorts of people that don't know how much God loves them. And what I want you to do is, once you've written their name down on there, I want you to think about the next time that you see them. How can I bless them? How can I pray for them? How can I listen to them? How could I maybe invite them to eat together with me or serve them? And then come back next week and the subsequent weeks. And I hope over time what will happen is that these boards will fill up with names and initials of people that we in this Crossview Rosa Parks community are caring for. And then if you look on there, you're going to see that not only are you going to put names on there, but you're going to put symbols on there that are going to represent the different habits that we're inviting you into. So that when you eat with somebody, you put a dot next to their name, sort of like a plate. When you go out and you share, you serve somebody, you put a square next to their name. And when you spend time listening, you put a triangle next to their name. So there are these different shapes. And what I hope over time is that names fill up with circles and squares and triangles around them showing how we are loving and caring for other people in our community. And we can celebrate that and continue to pray over those people. That's how we're going to live out our freedom to love other people in this community. So we're going to leave this up over the course of the next several uh, weeks and maybe even months. We'll see how it goes. Uh, Definitely we're leaving it up until Easter. Easter is one of those times that we can invite people to come and experience God. A lot of people will come here into this space that wouldn't normally go to church. Uh, So we can be praying and blessing people over the course of the next several weeks leading up to Easter. So I want to encourage you to think about who are those people that God is calling you to bless. To write them down, to pray for them, and then to live out these missional activities and then come back here every Sunday with excitement to to put those symbols on those names and then look at the boards and celebrate together with each other as we live this out. The last couple weeks have been really challenging for me, mentally and emotionally, as I've kind of gone uh, through my life. And Wednesday, I kind of hit my low point. I was really down in the morning, especially. But Thursday was completely different. It was a new day. Thursday... My circumstances hadn't changed, but what I did on Thursday was completely different. For lunch, I went out to eat with a couple friends, and I heard their story of how God's at work in their life, in their lives. And then I went over and visited somebody from our congregation who's been in the hospital this week. And then that evening, I went over to the wooden spoon, and I served people 
who are experiencing food insecurities. My circumstances didn't change from Wednesday to Thursday, but you know, I felt a lot better. And I realized as I went to bed that night that I had spent my day blessing other people. And I think somehow in using my freedom to bless other people, God turned that around and I got to share in the blessing. I got to experience that blessing. So what I want to pray for you today is that you would use your freedom to bless other people and that we as a community would use our collective freedom to bless other people in this community. And oh, would they know that God loves them because these boards are getting filled up with people's names and with symbols that are showing how we are practicing blessing other people. Let me pray. God, thank you for this congregation, for this group of people that has bonded together around the mission of helping people connect to you. Thank you for your word that reminds us that we are free, free from all the things that keep us from being fully who you want us to be. We are free then to go out and to be a blessing to other people. Thank you for the reminder of Abraham, whom you chose to love, whom you chose to bless to be a blessing. And thank you that we today get to be blessed to be a blessing to other people. Help us to be a church that blesses other people. Amen.